Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Pastor J.D. has been giving prophecy updates for 14 years and wants to remind us that no matter what happens in this life, Jesus is the answer. He is our answer to peace, salvation, relief, and justice. When He comes again, we don't need to fear, but be overjoyed at the reality of living with Him forever in heaven. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on May 24, 2020. The whole house of Israel gets saved, and at the end of the seven-year tribulation, they will call for Him, the one whom they pierced, and He will come, and we with Him ten thousands by His side as His bride. It's been said that at the rapture, Jesus comes for us. At the second coming, Jesus comes with us. Where's Daniel? What happened to Daniel? He's not in the seven times hotter fiery furnace. Oh, pre-furnace. Daniel is exalted, taken up to a high position. Pre-furnace, and not there. A picture of the church. I forgot one detail. There's many. I have a whole list, so many. Back to the wedding. Uh, I learned this during the filming of Before the Wrath. Very interesting. So in the Galilee region, the tradition of the Galilee wedding was such that when the bridegroom came as a thief in the night to abduct, snatch away, take away, rapture away his bride, and take her to that place that he had prepared for her at his father's house. They would take and lift her up off of the earth and carry her. That's the rapture. And they would have known it. By the way, I know in my culture, in the Arab culture, I don't want to go too far into this, but too late, I probably already have. In my culture, in the Middle East culture, to this day, the weddings, they are huge deals. The the parties, oh, the food. I mean, and it goes on for days. And they would have known that. They would have known when Jesus described that He was going to go and prepare this place for them, they knew exactly what He was talking about. So the next time somebody says, well, Jesus never taught on the rapture. Yes, He did. Yes, He did. Okay, I feel a lot better. Do you? That's why I believe the rapture has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. Now, this brings me to the aforementioned question of, what if it doesn't? 
What if this is not it, and this does not lead to the rapture and the seven-year tribulation? Okay. I will answer your question first with a question, if you'll kindly and lovingly allow me to answer it this way. What if this is it? And it does. See, I would rather I be wrong and you be right, than you be wrong and I be right. You know why? Because I would much rather sound the alarm and have this be it, than not sound the alarm, only to have this be it. I'm going to make a couple of comments here, and I just would ask that you indulge me. Uh, I made this comment a couple weeks ago, I think it was, that um, I am not going to play it safe. I'm all in. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Last week I was inquiring of the Lord in this regard, and He ministered to me that playing it safe has at its core this built-in need to protect one's reputation. In other words, we're all prone, I'm just as prone as the next guy, to be cautious. You don't want to stick your neck out there, so to speak, for fear of the contention and criticism that will always ensue. Did you hear what Pastor J.D. was saying? He's saying this is it. I know. Well, so-and-so's not saying that. Okay. Well, who's right? I would, again, I would rather be wrong and have you be right and this not be it, than me be right and you be wrong and have this be it, because of what's at stake. And that's why I can't play it safe, and I don't care. I'm just going to say it. I've been saying it, and I'm going to continue to say it. I really believe with all my heart that this is it. The contention, and there is much in the way of contention, arises from those who argue that any talk of global governance and AI bio-tracking technology with mandated vaccines, oh, that just falls into the category of conspiracy theory. Man. Even worse, (laughs) anyone who dare say the rapture is closer than any of us think is accused of being a date setter. By the way, I have never set a date. I have never in all the years, I've been doing these prophecy updates every week for 14 years, I have never set a date. Have I sounded the alarm that we're getting closer? Yes. And it's true. I know this might be a firm grasp of the obvious, but every week that goes by, we're closer, one week closer. 
you know, one of these weeks I'm going to get up here and say the rapture is really close. And then one week I will not say it because I won't be here. And you better not be here either. <laughs> it's even worse than that. This is the one that really gets me. And I, I've, I really had to take this to the Lord. But contention arises from those who don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, saying that those who do are leading people astray. What are you going to do when the rapture doesn't happen? You're a false teacher. And, and the enemy knows, you know, he studies us, right? He knows where our, those buttons are. And he's pushing those buttons, and that's a big button for me. As if you couldn't tell, I know that comes as a shock. No wonder. No wonder pastors don't teach Bible prophecy. Are you kidding me? You ask a pastor today, why don't you teach Bible prophecy? That's their answer. The Lord led me to Habakkuk, the first chapter, verse 3. And the prophet asked the Lord a very troubling question. He says, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? for plundering and violence are before me. And if that weren't bad enough, (laughs) there is strife and contention arises. In verse 5, the Lord answers the prophet and says, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded for I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, though it were told you. In other words, Habakkuk, I know you see as a prophet what's coming. And then when you prophesy, there's nothing but strife and contention that arises, and it does, and it will, it absolutely will. But just look at all of the nations of the world and watch. Pretty astounding, isn't it? (laughs) Here's the thing, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. You would not believe the work that I'm going to do. Even if I told you, it's unbelievable. That's what he's saying. Now, please know that I'm in no way posturing myself as a prophet like Habakkuk. However, as a watchman, I feel like Habakkuk. In other words, through the lens of Bible prophecy, I see trouble ahead. And I cannot remain silent. I cannot sound the alarm because then your blood is on my hands. But there is strife and contention arises. And what is particularly heartbreaking is it's not always necessarily from the non-Christian. It's from the Christian. Thankfully, like with Habakkuk, (laughs) I'm looking among the nations, as are you, I'm sure. And I'm watching, and I'm utterly astounded 
at the work that God is doing. This brings us to the question of what now? And I appreciate your patience. I am almost done. I believe that the answer to the what now question is that we all have a decision before us as to what we do now. Simply put, this is now the hour of decision for every single one of us, myself included, concerning what we do at this point in human history as we see Bible prophecy being fulfilled right before our very eyes. It's the hour of decision. For those of us who are Christians, we have a decision to make at this late hour. There's no time to play around, no time to play church, no time to remain silent. The hour is at hand, the time is at hand, it's the hour of decision. If you're not a Christian, you have the most important decision of your life for eternal life. And I want to explain that at the end here in just a moment. As for me and my decision, I'm keeping my hands to the plow, and I'm pressing on with a renewed urgency about how close the rapture of the church truly is. In my time with the Lord this last week, He reminded me of that classic and timeless hymn of old, I have decided to follow Jesus. Let me just read the words. I won't sing it. That would be so cruel. You won't come back next week if I did. But let me just read the words to this simple yet powerful hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow no turning back, no turning back. And this last one, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. That hit me. You know what that means, right? The world behind me, the cross before me. What did Jesus say? You want to follow me? You want to be my disciple? You have to pick up your cross, and you have to die to yourself if you want to follow me. But the world has to be behind you if you want to follow Him. And I think, truth be known, that's the problem. That's the problem. I want to just, uh, I just kind of feel prompted from the Holy Spirit to say this for any pastor that might be watching this. You have a decision to make now. Um, 
we have before us as pastors the greatest opportunity of our lives, in our lifetime, the likes of which we've never had before. And I would argue we will never have again. While the fields are white and ready for harvest, the labors are few. What are you going to do? You're going to go back to just sermonettes for Christianettes? Are you going to start talking about what the Bible says is coming, because it's coming. People are starving. The number one email and comment we get from people all over the world is, where do I find a church that teaches Bible prophecy? And sadly, I cannot answer. I don't know. People are asking questions. And we have the answer, and we're to give to everyone an answer of that hope that lies within us. This is the time. This is the hour. I am pleading with you, like no other time in human history, certainly in church history, have we ever had the opportunity that is before us today. This brings us to the end and the gospel of salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ, and a simple childlike explanation of salvation by way of the ABCs of salvation, meant in no way to insult anyone's intelligence. I just want to end this way. If you're watching this, and what I've talked about today, well, maybe God has your attention now. And it's no accident, by the way, that you're watching this video. I want to explain to you very simply how to be saved. Saved from what? Eternity in hell. Hell is eternal. Life is eternal. There's no in between. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. And that's why it's the most important decision of your life for eternal life. It's the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, because Jesus came the first time. He was crucified, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day, and He's coming back again one day. That's the good news. Well, what's the bad news? I'm glad you asked. That's where the ABCs come in. The bad news is, you're a sinner. We've all sinned. We were all born sinners which is why Jesus said we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. The A is for acknowledge or admit that you sin, that you're a sinner, that you need the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned, every single one of us and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for lack of a better way of saying it, packages the bad news first with the good news. See, there's a, a penalty for sin, and we've all sinned, so we're all now going to be sentenced for our sin. And it's the death sentence, and that's the bad news. 
Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. The gift, the gift is given. He paid for it. Jesus paid for it in full on the cross. It cost Him His life. It cost Him everything. He paid for it and offers it to every single one of us, the gift of God and its eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the A. Here's the B. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And the C lastly is for call upon the name of the Lord, or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. How do you confess with your mouth? That's Romans 10, 13. It says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father in heaven, first I just want to say thank you for the reopening of this, your church for us as your people. Lord, if there was ever a time that we need to assemble together as the body of Christ, it is now. So Lord, thank you. Lord, I also want to thank you for all those that are watching online or will, and especially for those who are very fearful right now of what's coming. And they've heard what I've talked about today, and it made sense because the Holy Spirit has blessed it to their understanding. And now it's decision time. And so I just want to pray that right now, before this video ends, that they will call upon you, confessing with their mouth, believing in their heart, acknowledging their sin, putting their childlike trust in you for the forgiveness of sins, and be saved. So that today will be the day of their salvation. And lastly, Lord, <laughs> oh my goodness, chicken skin saying this now, Maranatha. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We know you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible, though written long ago, is inspired by our Creator. God chose to speak His truth through ordinary men, but these men had their eyes fixed on their Heavenly Father. 
Their words hold a great deal of meaning for us in our world today, and maybe more so in the times we're in. Much of the activity of this world is mirrored in the pages of the Bible and is pointing to a new era that we need to be aware of. In Pastor J.D.'s weekly Mideast Prophecy Updates, he's been searching the scriptures and the news headlines and sharing with us what he's found. You can access these updates by heading to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on the YouTube link. Jesus will be returning to the earth soon to judge the evil that has been destroying it. And that return, friends, is drawing closer with each new day. Pastor J.D. tells us through these updates each week where we are in relation to Bible prophecy and how close our Savior's return just might be. No one knows the day or the hour this incredible event will take place, but we know from the Bible that we've been told what to expect in the moments leading up to this event. If we adopt a sense of anticipation in our daily walk with Jesus, we'll also gain with it an urgency to share the gospel message with the world around us. We're called to unashamedly boast about our Savior and plant the seed of hope which Jesus promises to water. Share Jesus with someone today and join us for another edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update right here on In Spirit and Truth.